listening to the world's loudest podcast. The world's loudest podcast by Revolver Magazine. And now your hosts, Zena Coda and Chris Enriquez. Keeping the heavy as heavy as you can get it. You're listening to the world's loudest podcast. I am your host, Zena, bringing you all of the heavy tunes. You can find me at Zena Coda and also visit all of our social properties at Revolver Mag across the board. If you haven't already checked out our new and improved website, it is popping and you can get all the latest on what's going on in the metal world, up-to-date information, as well as some pretty cool stories that dive into the lifestyle that involves us metalheads. Well, we're going to jump into this one with a Metal Blade sponsored roster full of good stuff overall. We got Candiria up, new music from them. Their latest album is called While They Were Sleeping. Really interesting title overall. And Candiria, if you are not familiar with their music, back in 2001, okay, I just graduated high school and I got into listening to like some really avant-garde kind of metal stuff, stuff that involved jazz, weird syncopations, time signatures, things that were a little out of just the meat and potatoes kind of beat your ass realm, you know? 300% Density is the name of the album that actually really got me into Candiria. And being an East Coaster and chick from New Jersey, definitely had a lot of love that they really delved into these areas and were from my hood. Well, these guys actually just did a tour of the five boroughs. And if you're from the East Coast, you understand what that means. They hit up... Manhattan, Queens, Staten Island, the Bronx, where nobody goes, <laughs> and Brooklyn uh, brought a little bit of dose of that. Hopefully, they'll be hitting the road on a national tour so you could see them live. And if you haven't picked up the latest album, it's been many, many years in the making. Quite a different breed. My boy Chris Enriquez is going to have an interview with them in just a few minutes. Really dives in deep, and his band, Primitive Weapons, actually opened one of those shows. So a little bromance going on there. Thanks to Metal Blade Records for sponsoring this one. We got some more tunes from Metal Blade's finest, including Serpentine Dominion, Woven War, all that good stuff. Revolvermag.com, check it out. Metal Blade, DW Drums, my fave. My boys over there, always at the helm, as well as Zoom Mics, which are recording this lovely podcast. Get into the heavy. See you in a few. Yeah! 
What's up? You're listening to the world's loudest podcast by Revolver Magazine. I'm hanging out with John Lamacchia from the band Candiria. What's going on, man? What's up, Chris? How are you, buddy? Chilling. You guys, uh, you guys have a lot going on these days. And um, just for the folks out there listening, uh, as a native New Yorker, I've been following these guys since, uh, not to make you feel old, I don't think we're that far in age, but uh, That's fine. <laughs> you guys have been around since uh, the early 90s. I probably heard about you guys from, uh, God, for the first time through the New York hardcore scene, because you guys, even though you're doing sort of different stuff, mm-hmm. I think it was like the mid-90s when I first discovered you guys, uh, in effect, mm-hmm. fanzine and all that stuff. Sure, sure man. Um, Those early days, there were some really good like fanzines, and, and there were some really, it was, there was something really cool going on at that time, and yeah. that was that time when the band was really transitioning from doing like um, sort of like death metal stuff before I was actually in the band. And then I didn't know I, that. Okay, yeah, yeah, I wasn't in the band until the second album, Beyond Reasonable Doubt. Um, I was friends with the band and, and working yeah. with them and doing like um, playing shows and and it, that's why I wound up joining the band when Chris Puma decided to leave. But um, yeah, it was that that transition period that you're talking about when right, we started yeah. playing in the hardcore scene that we really started to pick up uh, momentum. Yeah, because the hardcore scene just embraced the band. And um, we embraced a little bit of the spirit. Of course, you know, music. and when you're from New York, and, sure. and it's such a diverse scene, like, sure. you know, just to sort of dive into a little bit of history here, um, you know, Candiria had been around for quite a long time, uh, and actually went from the underground, sort of starting to get on some, like, really big tours at one point with King Diamond, which is kind sure. of nuts. Um, and you guys even had a, a couple of videos that were starting to air on like Headbangers Ball sure, at one yeah. point. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was quite a hiatus. They're on Metal Blade Records now with a new record coming out, um, which we'll get into. But, um, you know, just getting back into the early days is kind of interesting to talk about. I didn't know Candiria started out as a more death metal sure, band. You yeah. guys went really eclectic with your styles. Mm-hmm. Um, was that really, did that start when you kind of came into the fold? Uh, it didn't start when I came into the fold. It started shortly before that. And I think the story goes something like this. Carly and Eric went to see a show and they saw Snapcase. Okay. And great, great fucking band. Great fucking yeah. band. And, and Snap, this show, the energy there was, was so inspiring to them that they started incorporating some more, um, some, some different styles and, and different influences yeah. from bands like that. And, you know, bands like um, Converge and, and just a little bit more of that, like, breakdown, raw feel and yeah, flow. Yeah. And a little bit more, even more so of it, of, like, a hip-hop element from the vocal standpoint. Well, yeah, because that was yeah. another thing that, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's so hard to sort of put your finger on what Candiria is, mm-hmm. you know, exactly. And with the latest single, Maria, am I saying mm-hmm. that correctly? It's Maria. like you guys go into sort of, like, this, like, crazy, which is not surprising to me. Mm-hmm. If you've heard Candiria, then you, you can sort of expect... That uh, a lot there's gonna be a lot of twists and turns going mm-hmm. down the road, but uh, almost like a polka part that sure, happens, like sure, a weird, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's interesting to to reference that though, like bands like Snapcase. I mean, um, even going back to uh, you know Refused, you mm-hmm. know they had a very different sound sure. before they heard Snapcase, mm-hmm. and uh, that's a band that doesn't really get a lot of credit uh, mm-hmm. for for inspiring a lot of bands that might have sort of taken it in different sure. roads or gotten you know bigger. Yeah. Um, since those guys broke up years ago, I think they're back together now. But you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean the, the energy live. I mean the the shows yeah. when I when I was in the band, and we did get to play live with them. For whatever shows we did, I think we did some festivals with them. Um, I mean, what an incredible band! Yeah. What yeah, energy! Yeah. There's just this, yeah. you know. And I got I gotta say, I I I mean, there's to me, there's a relation to like a band like Primitive Weapons. Honestly, there's something about the energy that's just like. 
um, akin to like eat and, and I, not yeah. to compare, yeah. but even like a band like Warrior Soul is just like almost like not militant, but there's like this this energy that just the spirit of it thinking that, outside sure, of the box. Sure. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, and, and, but still uh, remaining in sort of an aggressive yes, world. Yes. You know, aggressive, but yeah. like something that just is able to drive yeah. big crowds. Well, you you were also. Uh, I mean, I, I know you, so we've talked about this, but uh, you know, there is a prog rock element clearly mm-hmm. happening, um, and I I always thought that um, you know growing up and hearing you guys. Uh, for me, Candiria and Dillinger Escape Plan, while they didn't necessarily, these two bands didn't necessarily sound like each other, mm-hmm. were probably, and I mean this in the, in the best way, like the strangest bands that I had heard at that time mm-hmm. uh, coming out of that scene, you know? Because mm-hmm. even with like, uh, let's say like a band like Converge that was sort of like all over the place, it was still sort of, um, you know, definitely like a metalcore band, but sure. doing something a little different. Um, so, you know, I know you mentioned like Snapcase and that sort of thing kind of being influential in the early days. Were you sort of the guy that came in that were that was sort of bringing more of those eclectic, you know, the prog rock stuff, the more sort of like crazy jazz fusion stuff? Um, I'd say that I'm responsible for, for a percentage of it. Um, a lot of the music... Um, comes from it starts with the guitar yeah. the foundation of the band it's really interesting because I feel like um, the guitars are the rhythm section of the band and the bass and the drums are the lead instruments really interesting you know, the, it's an interesting the, perspective the, yeah. they're more acrobatic more free they're yeah. more there's more they're more musical and really the guitar is really the framework of the music for the most part yeah but then when when you speak about Prague I mean you know like my favorite music is from like uh, my one of my favorite eras of music is is the late sixties to the late seventies where you had all of these bands yeah like King Crimson, Crimson and, and yes and yeah. uh, and even the Pink Floyd stuff I yeah mean, you know and bands like Zeppelin and Sabbath you know incorporating a little bit more of a progressive it's good food style for thought too yeah absolutely yeah. but then you even had like guys like Miles and uh, and his you had Zappa yeah. guys that were just really just going. Like it's 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 so crazy genre, that you guys you know, you know weren't sure. afraid to mm-hmm. you know especially I think with uh, the scene that we come from here mm-hmm. um, you know you know and these are bands that I'm sure we both share um, a love for but you know we grew up around bands like Madball and sure. Agnostic Front and Chromags and just yeah. sort of just being in that world but um, you know it's just kind of it, it, I think very courageous for you guys to like I don't know you know. At what point you're just like you know what we're gonna we're gonna throw in a jazz part now mm-hmm. you know what I mean mm-hmm. um, I think that's a little more unique to where you guys come from mm-hmm. than let's say not to discredit a band like Refused or or Dillinger Escape Plan but really centralized from where we come from mm-hmm. that's kind of like a crazy thing to do you know yeah. what I mean <laughs> in 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 the scene that we're surrounded by mm-hmm. and playing things like uh, Candira came back after uh, a long hiatus and played the Black and Blue Bowl which. Um, that's like the big New York hardcore Super Bowl thing, mm-hmm. and I, I mean, you guys were always very accepted in despite of all those crazy sort of um, uh, just you know different sort of varieties that you would throw into your music. Sure, and yeah. we we're so grateful for that because yeah. you know I mean it could have went to total opposite way, and it has. I yeah. mean, you mentioned the King Diamond tour that we did, and right. it wasn't. It was like a it was like a stint. I think we did a stint with King Diamond, and I think we did a stint with Merciful Fate. Right, like we did both because we were. I think we were booked by the same agent at the and time. And now you're label mates with, right? Uh, yeah, these, I mean, yeah. I think that King Diamond is on yeah, Metal Blade. I, yeah, at least that we're that's right. We're, yeah, we're label mates with, with, with the King again. <laughs> and, and that was an example. We were actually talking about this yesterday, but 
when we did the King Diamond dates, I mean, you know, the Kings, you know, they, they, most of the nights they were just turning their backs on the band and right. we were getting booed. And I remember clearly one guy saying, play King Diamond or go home. Oh, and, God. you know, I yeah. mean, you know, it's, you look, you got to take it with a grain. There's certain, you know, guys that, you know, certain bands or certain, yeah. um, certain performances that get on stage and their fans are only going to want to hear that. It's, we it's one of them, yeah. We did and it was the same. I mean, we were, we were, it was tough. I mean, we did deep with the that, Misfits, yeah. and the Misfits crowd was so much more accepting. So it's interesting, too, because, like, you know, we're just sort of moving ahead here, and I want to get into what's happening now, but, mm -hmm. it, it, you know, since the inception of the band, mm -hmm. you guys had a nice chunk of time where you were experiencing a nice sort of, like, sure. uprising. That was a great time for bands like VOD. Uh, it was yeah. also sort of riding that sort of wave. And even, like, uh, you know, you'd look at Roadrunner, and they had... Bands like Glassjaw and Madball and all that stuff. So, you know, in, in, in very different ways, a lot of bands coming from our scene were experiencing this amazing success. Sure. What, uh, what would you say was sort of like the greatest, like at what time period was like the greatest height for you guys? And, and sort of just to get into it, like what, you know, and I don't want to get too personal, but like at what point um, was sort of the highest height for you guys of success? And, and when did you guys stop and why did that hiatus take place? Um, you know, it's interesting you say that because when I think of, when I personally think of heights, I think of what brought me the most happiness to experience. Yeah. Um, so I would have to say that I think that one of the happiest times I've ever been was when we actually got on the road with Neurosis. And this is going way back. That's a great tour to be on. <laughs> yeah, we did two tours yeah. with Neurosis. And then it was also the time we met ISIS and we met the guys yeah. in Cave-In. Uh, it was just a great time for us because it was really one of our first experiences being out on the road yeah, with yeah. this incredible band that we were fans of, yeah. you know, and, and even more so when we started hitting the road with them, we saw how much energy and work they put into their live show. Inspiring. And yeah. how caring yeah. they were as people, you know. Um, I have such great memories of that, and it was such a great learning experience about how to be professional on the road. Yeah. And, like, those guys, I mean, the show they put on, they're at the venue at, like, two in the afternoon. We don't know how the hell yeah. they did it every day. And yeah, we were just yeah. following no matter what it what it took for us to do it. We would show up with them, load in and, and just be as pro Just as observe we could. like everything sure. beyond the the performance part of it. Like sure, just sort of how these guys are living, existing in that yeah. element. Totally. Yeah. Um, but but to answer I guess the, as far as like as far as our, our success goes as far as record sales go, as far as um, you know, notoriety and demand for the band, I would have to say it was around the time we put out 300% Density right. on Century Media. Yeah. And uh, we started getting offers to do bigger tours, and um, we went overseas, we went to Japan for the first time, we played yeah. in front of our first arena show with Slayer and Pantera. I remember, it yeah, which is it's wild. That's why I kind of wanted to get you talking about mm -hmm. this, because that's just crazy, yeah. right? I think it's actually, yeah. it may have been Pantera's last show. Jesus, so I it was just it was you either, guys and Pantera. No, 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 oh no, it was, it was a huge two-day festival. Okay, got it, got yeah, it, got we, it. Yeah. Our day was with Pantera, yeah. and the next day, if I'm not mistaken. Hello. <laughs> Things are falling apart in the <laughs> office here. <laughs> I, said, I, said, I said the P word. Yeah, channeling dime bags, ghost here. <laughs> um, so maybe I'm wrong about that. No, but anyway, it was a big two-day festival, and there was tons of bands. Yeah, on it. But I mean, Europe, us, Europe was, is just yeah, 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 and and um, and this was Japan. We played Yokohama Arena, and it was it was incredible, man. But that was like like I said, that was a that was probably at a point where we were at our, we were at our highest point, and then yeah. we um we got picked up by a really big company, Lakeshore Entertainment, who was actually a film company. They right. made movies. They still make movies. Yeah. 
and they had a small label for, for there was a time a short period of time we were on the same label as Queens of the Stone Age crazy man and yeah. like, well the music industry was so different back then it was then. so different yeah. it really was yeah. and you know the Queens had, a, had I think two records on there I think they had Rated R and I forget um, I hope I'm not making any of this up um, no, I mean, I, that, sound, that sounds right to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it was such an yeah. eclectic mix yeah. of music. There was this guy, AK-1200, this DJ dude that was like huge. Right, yeah. Granddaddy was on label. Like, we you know, just remember label. seeing stuff, like TVT was a big mm-hmm. New York thing. Sure, I mean, sure. they, were, they were based here, but you'd look on the roster and it would be hip-hop, but then you'd yeah. have like, uh, you know, uh, Nine Inch Nails and Nine Seven Dust and, right, and, yeah. and, and Still Suit, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Probably bands at some... It still see it's a great band from here that people mm-hmm. probably don't realize. But yeah, that was a time where you could look at a roster sure. um, and still go down your Tower Records. Not to sound like a bunch of old farts or anything, but you right. know, yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. So they were an eclectic label, and when we got signed to them, it was a, it was probably the biggest amount of money we ever yeah. were talking about as far as like our budget was concerned. We They gave us our own label. And you had a video at that time, a single that was getting significant airplay. Sure, there was, yeah. yeah. We were getting... We were starting to do well. We did the MTV You Hear It First thing, which was massive for us. Yeah. We Our video was being played on MTV and MTV2. So I think at that point, in the early 2000s, we were just on that point on of precipice about yeah. to take off with all the other bands like Shadows Fall and all of our peers. Right. You know, Dillinger and all these bands were really just working their way up. Yeah. And then we were in the um, the van accident in 2002. I, there was, yeah, for those that don't know, I, that, I mean, I knew about that. There was a horrific van accident uh, that injured you guys for yeah. quite some time. Sure, sure. Um, yeah. And I'm sure that, you know, obviously, like, I mean, you guys couldn't even play for a while. I mean, yeah, there was, but you did regroup. Yeah, we did. Yeah. We did. We we um, we got, obviously needed some time. We No one was ready to get back in the van, so we decided yeah. that this was a good time to obviously rested, rest up. We rested for, I would say, a good um, several months. Yeah. And then started to be able to pick up our instruments again. I mean, I broke my... All of these bones on the right side. Yeah, like physi- so I physically. Put, I couldn't like, even yeah. put my arm over a guitar. Yeah. Um, so it just all took us all time to even yeah. be inspired to pick up an instrument. Yeah. Um, but then we did. We decided we needed to continue because we we relied so heavily on it at this point in our lives to yeah. go on the road and be a band and, and actually come home with enough money to cover our rent and pay bills. Right. I you mean, know, that's we another were, thing too. When it you know that starts to become a conflict. Sure. Sure. In a way, you know. And this is yeah. you know, and this is the late nineties. It's still before. No, this is. I'm sorry. This is the early two thousands. This is right after nine eleven. So this is just around a time when New York was yeah. really making this huge change into being this super expensive city. Right. You know. I mean, things. Uh, you know, like where we where we live now in Brooklyn were like. The yeah. way they are now. This is 16 yeah. years ago. Yeah, man. Um, totally you know, different. I remember all the bands that were sort of doing anything were still in Manhattan at that time. Mm-hmm. CBs was still here. Yeah. We still had all these great clubs. It was just a yeah. completely different, it was a completely yeah. different city, completely yeah. different landscape. Um, and you know, rent was way cheaper, so yeah. it was a lot easier to be in a band, go out on the road, and come home with a few hundred bucks that yeah. with a little bit of side job to yeah, pay yeah, your yeah. rent. But we didn't have that anymore, and. Um, so we were struggling and we were like, look, we, we do want to continue. We have to continue. Yeah. And so we started to, we decided we wanted to write a record. And um, so we reached out to a label and we let them know that we wanted to, you know, hey, we want to like pull the trigger to start budget we're for ready reproduction. We're to get back into it. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. we would yeah. like to budget some money for some rehearsal time, blah, blah, blah. And they just said no. They said no to anything we... Um, requested anything why was that because they realized that the band was never going to they felt the band was never going to be what it was 
they felt at this point we were a liability and they shelved the band. Probably the time also, which is just awful, mm -hmm. you know, an awful reality. Sure. The time that you guys took off from the mm -hmm. accidents and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and you're just, you know, working with labels that are just churning out new bands sure. over and over again. Totally, man. So you guys, I mean, it's interesting though, because there was a five-year gap between, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken, the record that you're about to put out now and the mm -hmm. last one, right? Uh, I think it's actually a little bit longer than that because, I mean, it was a really interesting, crazy story, um, but when we did put out What Doesn't Kill You in 2004, right. we, we were we, the only label that was willing to buy us out. We actually had to pay $50,000. To buy yourselves out. Yeah. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't like to speak. You no. Know, maybe hey. it's, maybe <laughs> I just leave names out of this, but whatever label we were on at sure. that time, which I mentioned previously... Right. Um, yeah, they did. They, they, not only did they shelve us, but when we requested them to let us go, they said, well, you have to pay $50,000. I mean, I've seen stuff like that happen. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it was businessmen, you, know, you know, and they were just being shrewd businessmen. Yeah. You know, and... I can't believe that was, uh, yeah, so that was like about five years ago. I mean, that, there's stories like that, like there's a band called Sensefield. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know how many listeners are familiar with that band, but they were a Revelation Records band, good hardcore label, and they mm -hmm. basically got dropped from... A major label made this awesome record and had to re they had to buy the record or they had to pay to get out of the contract mm -hmm. and re-record that record all wow. over again put out oh a smaller God. label you know so it's just sort of I, you don't really hear about that at least I don't hear about that happening too often nowadays mm -hmm. but yeah yeah it's just crazy you guys yeah. lived through a lot we and, did. Uh, and we it's did. all brought you here right with the new record yeah. um, while they're sleeping mm -hmm. and uh, so this is coming out October 7th by the time this airs um, that should be coming out, uh, you know, uh, on Metal Blade. So go to metalbladerecords.com, pick that up. There's a new single out right now, and you guys just uh, are working on some videos right now? Yes, yes. We were just at Spaceman Sound, uh, Spaceman Sound in Greenpoint, working yeah. with Tom Tooney and Alex Meadfox, the two owners yeah. there, great guys. Great producers, yeah. Yeah, great, great. They do great work there. Yeah. And they're such good, good people. Yeah. Now. Um, and uh, when we were making the record at Spaceman, um, Tom mentioned that uh, that they were they were looking to do live in studio performances yeah. to film them professionally and record them professionally and then mix them and it started like a series of of uh, like events for them like this. yeah yeah and I was like I love that I'm well a they big... have like uh, multi cameras in sure. the room it yeah, kind of yeah. looks like a surveillance yeah, thing yeah. but it just looks really cool it does so, yeah and then we brought our own additional camera crew in there. And uh, I'm a big fan of, I'm a big Radiohead fan, and they put out yeah. this, this um, for the In Rainbows record, they did this thing called Scotch Mist, which I really loved how, how they did this. They just That's brought the cameras live into video. Their, yeah, it's just yeah. live. Yeah. But it was all GoPros, you know, and that, it looked yeah. great. Yeah. And then in between the songs, they did these like weird indie one-minute films. Right, I just right. Loved it. it brought me right <laughs> you know, back to the early MTV days, you know. And also, like, Sabbath, like, the early video for, mm -hmm. I don't know if it was Iron Man, or but, like, it's them playing. Mm -hmm. It's not them, like, right. lip-syncing. They're right. actually playing in the room, mm -hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. Um, which is an interesting thing to do nowadays because, mm -hmm. you know, we're so used to seeing these high-budget videos yeah. in the video age, but mm -hmm. kind of showing off, like, the actor. I mean, you guys are also, like, just doing some crazy shit, like, talent-wise mm -hmm. and... Thanks. The musicality of it, but um, I wanted to ask too. You know, well, a couple of things before we uh, go into a track. But uh, you guys parted ways with Ken Shock, who mm -hmm. uh, you know, anyone out there that's a hardcore Candiria fan, I mean, he's a phenomenal drummer. Yeah. And uh, um, you know, was that? I, I'd imagine that was a tough. 
thing to deal with and especially to move forward. And, sure. You know, this is the first recording without him, right? Mm -hmm. um, so what was that transition like, parting ways with Ken? Well, you know, to be honest, it was it was really difficult for us. Obviously, Ken was such a, an important aspect of the band. Yeah. Such an inspiring musician and such a... a he's like family to us, you know? Sure. Yeah. And he still is. I mean, it's yeah. all... There's nothing but love for, for us and Ken. And, and, right. and You know, he lives on the West Coast now. He has a family. Okay, just so he's just not around. He's yeah. just not here. And it's just logistically just not possible for him. And we tried. I mean, yeah. he tried. We tried. We all... We did everything we could. And... and it got to a point where, where he reached out to us and because at that point we needed, it was so difficult for him to do what we needed done yeah. that we actually had to find us a, a stand-in drummer. I was going to say, that's yeah. not, those are not easy shoes to fill. Right, right. Um, I mean, not to, and not to compare, but I felt mm -hmm. that way when Chris Penny left Dillinger. Oh, absolutely. Um, and it's just like, how is this band going right. to keep going? But sure, uh, sure. I've played with you guys. I've seen this guy, mm -hmm. the new guy. Oh, he's and great. he's killing it. He's you know? great. And he was... Yeah. Uh, that was my biggest like concern when I saw you guys. Sure. I was like, how is it? <laughs> like, I'm like, that's not Ken. Like, yeah. I had no idea it wasn't in the band. I'm like, yeah. how yeah. is this going to work? Well, it was, our <laughs> biggest, it was our biggest concern, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, um, no, Dan's a trooper, and... The cool thing about it is that's it was Kenny's recommendation. He said, "Look, you know, if you if you're gonna get anyone, hit Danny up from Doomsday oh, wow, Morning okay. uh, and Stifling Neglects. That's how we knew him from yeah. a band called I remember Stifling that band. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, he said, if anyone can do it, he can do it. Um, Ken is his like one of his favorite drummers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's you know he studied with Ken and learned from Ken. And uh, the thing with Dan was he had a, he had the patience to allow himself to deal with us sure. adjusting to having someone new and dealing with our it's frustration, a lot of in, uh, you, know, um, you know, being like, well, yeah. you, you're not doing that right. And he yeah. was just like, you know, it took him some time, but he finally came into that, that, that place he needed to be. Yeah. There's like a lot of intri uh, intricate stuff. Oh, happening. Totally, man. Yeah, totally. And he, he just, you know what it was? He was just so passionate about the challenge and so passionate about accomplishing it and that uh, it just pushed him and his his personality is just great and yeah. his energy is great he's just a really great guy he has nothing but love and respect for Ken and yeah. he's just happy to be in the band and doing something to him that's just so so important and special yeah. um, but anyway um, Ken couldn't do everything that we needed him to do like there was some shows that he just could not come to the, right, the East right. Coast for there wasn't enough money or there wasn't, couldn't, you know, because every time he comes here, it costs him X amount of dollars. Yeah, yeah. Getting back yeah. and forth on a plane, you know, he can't work. So And there are things coming up that sure. you just don't want to say no to. Of course. Like which Afro is, punk yeah, and which is especially tough when you're mm -hmm. in a band playing stuff as technical as that, sure. or you can't just, you know, yeah. be like, you know, fly in some guy to play a couple two-minute hardcore songs, right. you know. And um, the other aspect of it that was really difficult is because, like you said, we're, not to take away anything, because every, every I think, you need a certain amount of passion and professionalism to play in any band and pull yeah. it off right. And get energy. along with the guys, you know. Yeah, sure. It's been a band going on since 1992. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't just have anybody kind of walk in sure. and take them out on the road with you. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So that, another issue was when Ken did come to town, he was only able to stay for two, two three days. Right. So we would get like, what, two, four-hour jams with him? Yeah, yeah. And then he'd have to leave. So it just was so difficult and so hard on him and, and hard on the band and then it just got to a point when we were um, when we were really just about to wrap up the deal with Metal Blade and yeah, we'll move talk forward about with that, that too. and start recording yeah. that he decided that 
look what you guys are trying to do and what you're trying to accomplish and all the things you want to do. You guys want to hit the road hard and you yeah. want to do this and that. He goes, I don't think I can make that commitment and I just want to let you guys know that Danny is your guy now. That's I mean, it. that's that's really yeah. interesting that he came from mm-hmm. Ken, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sure. Keeping it sort of like getting your blessings and yes. being like, and I have a guy for you. It's a beautiful thing. Totally, yeah. totally. Yeah. So it now, really now you're with Metal Blade, mm-hmm. iconic label. Mm-hmm. The record's coming out October 7th. Uh, one of the videos going to be out and like, what's up with touring? I mean, I want to talk about that too. Sure, like, sure. I know you got the Five Boroughs thing. These mm-hmm. guys are touring New York City. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. We're, we're, we're calling it the Five Boroughs World Tour and uh, we hope we don't piss anybody off with yeah. using it, calling it that. But the, um, the, while they were sleeping, the new album was coming out. It's a concept album, and the the story takes place in New York City. So that's the world, you know. We know. I could appreciate that, man. No, totally. Yeah. And you know, to us, it's it's it is our world. This yeah. is where we're from. This is There's our. There's a lot of different worlds world, within you know? our city too. Sure. Like what's going on in the Bronx. Absolutely. Versus what's going on down in like Bed Stuy. Totally. <laughs> I mean, and, yeah. and we're so excited to go play in every borough and celebrate our our each of those boroughs because yeah. we've played all of them in the past and we've our fan base you know represents in every borough and they it's really cool and, yeah and and i mean it was really difficult to find a place in the bronx i mean there's nothing happening out there and it's kind well, of yeah. sad yeah um as a matter of fact the place we're playing they don't even have a pa system so we have to bring one i mean but the bronx is still the bronx right the bronx is still yeah. the bx baby yeah. you know i don't know if down. it's ever going to be gentrified <laughs> and maybe it's better that way yeah i mean <laughs> but you know in and and but that's the cool thing about it. We don't we don't care if we if yeah. we were on a street corner playing, you know, just hanging out and like whatever playing in whatever capacity. I think we could. I think that's such a, a New York mentality mm-hmm. too, because I mean it's like you know not to go off topic, but Anthrax just played at St. Vitus yeah, for about it, for, yeah, yeah for you know, two days in a row, and uh, you know I think that there's something about you know our city that makes you sort of not want to forget where you came from. Sure. Sort of you get excited. Like I've seen the guys in Anthrax hanging out in mm-hmm. the bar. Mm-hmm. you know yeah. um, when they weren't playing and just hanging out so I think people just get excited because they remember the only special place that mm-hmm. we had and there aren't too many anymore mm-hmm. left unfortunately yeah. so you kind of hold on to what's left yeah. yeah yeah. you know it's so funny you say that because every interview I do this is this is part of the, the thing that comes up is yeah. like there's just something that's happening that's just some shift that's happening at least in New York City where yeah. venues are just disappearing and people are like wondering what's going to happen here What? Yeah. how is this yeah. going to are there just going to be new venues that replace that? You got Gold Sounds now. Right. You, know, you got yeah. other places. We got Sunnyvale. Um, yeah. But the landscape once again is still changing. It's and interesting we, because we don't the, know yeah, what's going to yeah. happen. And yeah. you know, being guys that are from here and, and growing up here and, and yeah. playing in the scene for so long and losing these iconic venues and still losing like Akron, that's Grand right, Victory, yeah. Santos Party House. Uh, um, uh, what's a, the one? Santos more. Yeah. yeah um, what's what's the one down? Um, not a huge one, but... Uh, Grand Victory. Grand Victory just... Grand Victory was huge. Um, had a lot of, like, old school stuff happen there. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and there was one in the slope. Yeah. Um, damn. Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Uh, US, uh, Southpaw. Yeah, Southpaw we lost. That was several years ago, but one recently... Um, damn, I forget the name of it. Well, you know, but to your point, though, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's just sort of crazy because actually the market for, I think, punk, hardcore, and metal, and aggressive music in general in New York City, mm-hmm. especially in Brooklyn, for whatever reason, and I'm grateful for it, has actually just, like, it's at a very huge height, but sure. um, to the benefit of places like Vitus, there's just not too many, there's, there's sort of, like, not any other options, so right. it's kind of great for them, mm-hmm. and there's Lucky 13, of course, sure, but... Sure. Uh, but it's going to be cool. I mean, if you're in New York or if you want to come out and sort of celebrate what's going on with these guys, they're doing a five-borough tour 
Arlene's Grocery on the seventh um, in the Lower East Side, yep. which is really interesting. They probably haven't had a show like that in, in a very long time. Yeah. And then we have uh, what else is on the uh, menu here? October eighth, we're playing the Black Thorn Blackthorn Fifty One in Queens. Queens, that's right. Um, yeah. With, is that Flushing? Uh, yeah, I think that's Flushing. Right, yeah. so right outside of Flushing. Yeah, yeah. right outside of Flushing. Yeah. We're doing that with uh, Car Bomb and The Last Stand. That's right. And Desolate and a bunch of other bands. Uh, and then we're going to Staten Island to play Mother Pug Saloon with Tombs and Mika's Murder. That's a great lineup. Yeah, um, we're playing yeah. actually Arlene's Grocery. You guys are on the bill. Primitive, Primitive Weapons, Weapons, yeah, and Kavala. Kavala, yeah. So um, it's really cool. I'm glad that yeah. we're getting like we're trying to put as many of our friends' bands and our peers. Like That's you guys what I love about you guys. It's so diverse. You have a death metal band. Mm -hmm. You got like a band like Husbandry, mm -hmm. um, and it's also you kind of keep it in the New York fam, you know. Totally, man. But uh, yeah, a lot I of wish we were doing more, where we could just put. <laughs> yeah. You know, we. You know, um, I mean, we have Dalek on the Brooklyn show along with Husbandry, which That's we're right. so psyched about. Yeah. Um, the Bronx show, we got Billy Club Sandwich. Um, Billy Club Sandwich in the Bronx. Yeah, That's going to be a, it's an interesting one. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, uh, but. <laughs> It's just it's just going to be a lot of fun, um, but it's runs from the 7th to the 12th. Um, the 11th, we're playing in the Bronx, and the 12th, we do the last show in Brooklyn at Gold Sounds. Nice, yeah. And, uh, and there's going to be different after parties and all kinds of stuff. Come we're down doing, to those after parties, man. Come down to New York. We're doing one at the Stand Social on, on the Arlene's Grocery Night. Oh, um, nice, nice. I just announced that publicly, but it's... <laughs> Jesus, I might get in trouble for that. Um, but anyway, there's just yeah. going to be like little celebratory things that happen... And real um, quick too, like what do, what do you guys uh, have planned for actually hitting the road out there? Is there anything you could announce, or are we gonna have to hold up on uh, on any stuff like that? We do have something planned for no for November, but I can't really announce it yet because yeah. it we're still locking things down and, and well, it's yeah, still yeah. not one hundred percent definite. But I will say that um, if we do go out, we'll be hitting we'll be heading out to the Midwest. Nice. And okay. we haven't done anything like that in a while. And if we do, we're also going to be, if we do wind up doing this, we'll be going up to Toronto and Montreal. Great. Um, There's and, a great scene out there. Oh, it's yeah. fantastic, yeah. man. But yeah. once again, I really, I'm, I'm, I'm stepping ahead a little bit simply because we don't 100% have anything locked down. Yeah, no, I feel you. I feel um, you. And I, I mean, I'd imagine that with a record coming out soon, that there are some big plans in the sure. works. And we all know how those sort of things come together at the last minute. Sure, but, man. Uh, sure. But yeah, um, you know, everybody check out the socials. Go on Facebook, go on Twitter, follow these guys, and certainly on the Metal Blade website. I think pre-orders are probably up now. Yeah, sure they are. Um, pre-orders are on metalblade.com slash Candyria.
Censorship by Woven War. Hope you rocked out to that one. Your host, Zena here. Thanks for joining this Metal Blade-sponsored sexy goodness. Hopefully you get to learn pretty much everything about Candiria ever in that interview with Chris Enriquez. And you are curious because let me tell you, they have quite an extensive past and catalog. They also have like a crazy accident story. Man, dive in. I'm telling you, good stuff. I'm going to be out of here for today. We're living in the craziest times, but rock and metal keep us together. Check out revolvermag.com so you can get all the up-to-date information about what's going on in the rock and metal world. And you can also check out all the lovely uh, festivals, etc. that are going down in the next few. Maybe even something from us. Just saying. Mice and Men are on our new issue. Make sure to go pick it up. Really, really cool photo shoot there. They look pretty fucking tough. You know, it's weird. In New York, I never saw billboards for metal and rock bands. But when I moved to L.A., I realized, wow, they really invest a lot of money into the billboards. Come on, New York. You're slacking in that. Good to be out. Hit me up at Zenakota. You can hit up all of us at Revolver Mag across all the socials. Till next time, my friend.